broadcasting from Chico, California. This is the Barbless Fly Fishing Podcast, where we discuss NorCal fly fishing, guiding, fisheries science and management, conservation, and more. Know better, fish better. Here's your hosts, Chad Alderson and Nick Hanna. This episode of the Barbless Fly Fishing Podcast is brought to you by California Trout. Working throughout the state to ensure we have resilient wild fish thriving in healthy waters for a better California. Support Caltrout's innovative science-based work by becoming a member or donating today at caltrout.org. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Barbless Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Chad Alderson, and with me today I have Mark Antrami. And Mark is a guide, one of the, the best guides on Lake Almanor. In California, so we're in Chester, California. Uh, Mark's invited us on the boat today. We are fishing for trout. We are fly fishing for trout. Um, we're going to talk about smallies. We've been covering a lot of. Um, we're going to touch on the trout thing, but we're going to actually focus on the smallie fishing in Lake Almanor. Um, it's it's some of the best in California, I would say. How huh, Mark? Yep. Yeah. And um, so we're gonna we're gonna talk about a little bit of trout. We're we're catching trout right now, but really, um, we wanted to really talk about the the smallmouth game here on Lake Almanor. It is, you know, I've caught actually most of my biggest smallmouth that I've caught in the last couple of years has been on Almanor, and there's some big ones in here. What's the biggest smallie you've caught on Lake Almanor? Just so they know, seven and a half. Yeah, seven and a half. Oh, maybe eight. Oh. Which is about double. The average size of a smallmouth traditionally right? for the west coast man that's yeah. phenomenal yeah yeah and um yeah so we are you know in an in undisclosed location in the lake and we are fishing near a spring right now we won't say where but there's a few on lake almanor lots um but i you know i've been uh, admiring your setup mark on your boat it's killer can you kind of talk about the boat setup before we kind of get into the fishing yeah so it's a lund uh, Rebel XL 2015, uh, 17 feet long with a Merc 6, 60. Um, I did have to prop it down from the valley. So you, when you say prop it down, what do you mean? So I went from a 14 pitch to a 13 pitch. And then can you kind of like explain what a, what, what a pitch is on the, yeah, on it's, the prop? Yeah, it's how aggressive the, the propeller is. So, but, yeah, so if it's a 14, that means it, it bites a little harder, gets you a little more speed, less, uh, less takeoff, less torque. Um, so Almanor is 4,500 feet elevation. So that's a, quite a bit of stress on a motor. So you need to, you got to prop those babies down. Even, even, if, I mean, this is electronic fuel injection and still... You got you got to prop down at least once, uh, unless you're unless you're super overpowered. You know you got a 250 on your bass, you know 19, 20 foot bass boat. No repropping required. And then uh, I was admiring the electronics because I, I was telling you I was gonna um, you know put some electronics on my kayak. Mm-hmm. And you're running a Garmin, but you're running Live View. Is it called Live View or Live Scope? It's it's uh, Live Scope. It's the LVS32 system with the GLS10 black box. Um, and I'm using the, the uh, Garmin EcoMap uh, 
106SV, um, which is the EcoMap Ultra. Uh, the Ultra has a higher resolution screen. So for uh, the bang for the buck, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's it, for those of you guys not familiar with the live view or live scope stuff from Garmin um, came out what two years ago. Mm-hmm. Yep, and it's basically um, it's like playing a video game. You can see the fish literally moving under the boat, and it's it it's exciting. Uh, not only because you can see the fish moving under the boat, but it really gives you insight into how those fish are behaving under the water, which you normally can't get unless you're um, you happen to be. Um, Mark's telling me to adjust my cast, um, unless you're, you know, snorkeling thing and then bring it in a little. Yep. Tell me when. Keep going. Go ahead and keep talking. Yeah. So yeah, you can see these fish going around. You can see bubbles coming up out of the water and, and moving in real time. So it's really, it's really, really, really cool. Um, so I just reset my, my cast and. Mark's happy with it, so I'm happy. And then he's got like a hand. Can you kind of describe the transducer on these things? It's trippy. Well, the the transducer has uh, three um, transducers built into one, and it uses uh, oh, oops, set. Oh, too worried about jerking the entire yeah. Well, uh, now we have to adjust it out. Um, trying to kind of brain farting right now. Uh, (laughs) Ultrasound. That's what I was the word I was trying to use. So it uses like what you would get, you see a baby or something. Yeah. So it has three transducers that use ultrasound style of um, frequency. So it's live. You can yeah. see your fly. You can see how the fish reacts. You can see if the fish is coming up to get your fly, how far away it's coming from to get your fly, whether or not what fly it is going to refuse, which just, uh, it's like sight fishing without being able to actually see the fish out there. But you can literally see the refusal. Yeah, I mean, you can see refusals 200 feet deep. I mean, obviously, we're never going to fly fish that deep, but, you know, for conventional gear, you could drop a a jig down at uh, 100 feet for crappie, you know, grab a fizzing needle, um, What's a fizzing needle? Uh, a fizzing needle is where you let air out of the air bladder. Um, so when you catch fish that are a lot of times over 40 feet deep, they've been down there for so long, they get the bends when you bring them up real fast. Oh, okay. Their stomach will actually come out. So you use the fizzing needle on bait fish? Uh, you use it on like crappie spotted bass, largemouth bass, anything that you get deep. 
Okay, I'm not. I'm not following though. How's, why would you even need that? Uh, because the fish can't level their air bladder out to get back down. Oh, got it. Okay. So you okay. you pop the air bladder in a, in two different spots that you can do it okay. that I'm aware of. Okay. And um, you put this needle in there, and once the air has naturally exhausted, yeah. you pull the needle out. You put them back in the water, let them revive. They kind of go back down about 10, 15 feet, and that that heals very quickly. And they go back down to where they were, and they're happy. I've seen fish with three fizz needle marks in them huh. from previous. Yeah, so I've seen that kind of done on uh, in Alaska. Our, our guide, we were catching, I think, rockfish pretty deep down. Yep. He had kind of like almost like a reverse space elevator basically he had he had this this uh it was almost like a pulley system on a, with a weight on the bottom and he'd hook the rockfish somehow where he could unhook it when he got it to the depth he wanted but he just slowly lowered the rockfish back down to the to the level and it kind of the ballast kind of naturally did its thing and then when it, when he thought it was ready he'd pop it loose and mm-hmm. say, that's the way mm-hmm. they used to kill a lot of fish on accident and they started doing that and that that kind of fixed it basically yep. yep what i've done also is if you can't get your hands on a fizzing needle you can actually just stick a weight on the fish with uh, a fishing rod and clip it onto the fin carefully and just let them drop down to the bottom let them sit there for about three or four minutes and then just give it a quick jerk and it pops right off the fin and they're happy yep so we got fish like 35 feet out basically right now so I'm, i should recast yep so we'll just recast and then right out kind of the same area you were and that's the cool thing about the the life scope yeah right i mean it's it takes a lot of the guesswork out there that should be perfect so with still water it's not like a river per se um, it can at times act like a river if they're letting a lot of water out, but you know, in still water, the fish can be almost facing any direction. Getting, getting yeah, yeah, you're getting grabs on that midge. Just give it a little, little tug. A little strip. Yep. <laughs> the, the fish just busted. Yeah. You guys probably heard that like 15 feet from my from my bar, my uh, setup here. Yeah, there's this current. So is this is this the spring making this current? Yep. Okay. And water is being taken out of the lake. So how far off? There's, there we go. How far off the spring are this? Good one. How far off the spring are we? Uh, well, there's hundreds of springs in the lake. They're they're all over the lake. And there's several thousand CFS that comes into the lake. No shit. 24/7. Okay. Wow. And, um, you think my eight weight will be able to handle this? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I had for the setup. Like, yeah, well, I'm going brown hunting tonight, so I want the eight weight. Come on, dude. So, yeah, the, uh, the fish can kind of be changed, you know, facing really any direction. But what they do like to do is they like to face away from the sun. Okay. She might be ready. Looks like a female, yeah. 
Yep. Come on. Come on, girl. Oh, she's been in this eight weight, guys, like almost to you. Damn. Yeah, very healthy fish here. She just saw the boat. She's freaking. <laughs> Come on. There we okay. go. Okay, ready? Yep. Nice. Put the bend in the rod. Football. Yeah. It's like 19 probably. But fat. <laughs> really fat. 20. I don't know. Like 20 and a half. Nice. Just your average Lake Elmo rainbow trout. Yeah. You got lice <laughs> all over too on the side. She got, yeah, she got a couple uh, uh, lake Where lice on there. Camera? I'll just get a shot of it in the water. Oh, there's... Oh. <clears throat> get a... Oh. Yeah, I can't... She's on the <laughs> midge? Yeah. 19 and a half, you said? Yep. Uh, no, 20 and a half. 20 and a half. I think. See, I'm I'm one of the rare people that sometimes underestimates the size of their fish. Yeah, we'll call it 19 and a half. Yeah, okay, cool. Nice. <laughs> Thanks, man. That was awesome. Yep. Call it a day? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you get. One and done. Uh, We're not greedy. I don't know where you want that to yeah. go. Yeah, I mean that was that was like the cookie cutter size out here too, huh? Right. It's so crazy. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's just nuts. There's just so much food in here. Can you talk about the bait fish for a bit? Like what what's in here? Yeah, there's uh Delta smelt um and Wagasagi. Uh the Wagasagi are a Japanese smelt and they are kind of like a, a black on the top sometimes a really dark olive and they're kind of yellow on the bottom okay. with uh, with some white and a pretty silver side huh. and the uh, pod smelt which is which is p-o-d-s-m-e-l-t uh the pod smelt are kind of a translucent uh, color. So they're going to be a translucent uh, olive. Translucent meaning you can see through. Okay. Um, there, there's no shad in here. Unlike no. like Lake Shasta is loaded with shad. No thread fin. No shad. Yep. Another one. Damn, dude. Mark knows where to get fish, guys. It's confirmed. <laughs> That's the second catch. We have not edited the, edited the, these two catches. So, so oh, oh, nice jump. Oh, another jump. Sweet. About the same size as the last one. Maybe a little bigger, about two inches bigger. Oh, third jump. Oh, dude, that was like a three-foot three <laughs> jump. That was sick. Whoa, she's taking off. Looks like another female, yeah? Yeah. A little bit heavier than the last, the last one was.
Yeah, yeah. This one was probably two pounds. This one's probably three and a half, this four pounds. Got a little more spunk. Yeah. Taking one decent side, decent run. Now it's going uh, from the back of the boat to the front of the boat. Just kind of doing a, it's kind of doing a uh, bluefin tuna thing on me, seeing the sides of it. There we go. Now I think she's done. Yeah. Okay. We got color. Yeah. So you can see on the mouth here that it's it's bigger than a female. So this is the triple. This is the triploid. Okay. So yeah, explain it's, that for a second. So you can see on the mouth here, the mouth is really large, mm -hmm. but there's no kite, mm -hmm. and. Um, you know, when a female trout, you can clearly tell they just have a small mouth, right? Yeah. The, and the males have generally a bigger mouth, right? Mm -hmm. And males have a, a kite from spawning. They develop that, uh, just, just a fatty tissue that gets around their mouth. And the triploids, they don't. They do not get a kite because they do not go into spawn. Yeah. So if... If you guys are trying, it's it's very subtle. I, I see what you're saying, though. Yeah. Um, they look like every other trout in here, except their head. Looks like if you were just gonna morph, uh, you know, a male distinctive male kite jaw with a female, that's what their heads look like. It's just a right, kind of just an average of those two. Yep, it looks like an immature male. It does with no kite. Right, but yeah. an immature male is not 22 inches long. <laughs> right, right. Because this, this is a nice fish, super yep. powerful fish. But they have, you know, they they raise triploids here too, just to, um, you know, for basically catch and, and keep, huh? Yeah, we have to. Yeah, we have to. Yeah. But really fun fish. You guys heard that? This this fish fought, kind of had a little steelhead in it for a minute. There. Yeah. Three three. three Nice jumps. That that second jump was huge. So you're just keeping it in the net until it's go it leaves on its own power. Yeah. Yep. There he goes. Very cool. Thanks, dude. Hmm? Yeah, man. Okay, so that was like four minutes apart, and yeah, that was game on. Oh, again. So we'll adjust the uh, your setup. Make sure that the flies are all good. We're using two flies. Okay. Well, let's. We talked about trout quite a bit. Let's talk smallie. Bass. Love them. Well, we'll rope. We'll try and keep roping the trout in between. But I really want to. Well, you guys should get up here and do the smallies. Um, I want to try it. I haven't really. I caught. I, I've been catching them by catching them, and what I mean by that is I'm targeting trout and I'm catching smallmouth. Uh, but I want to start targeting smallies because they they fight, man. Like you get a you get a decent sized smallie on, and it's game on. And they they can put a bend like I had one on two nights ago on this eight weight, and it tacoed this rod. It's a nice big, you know, at the fork. I think it's like an eighteen inch fish. There's uh, there's different times of the year that you want to fish for smallmouth here. Uh, spring and fall okay. and my favorite is the pre-spawn 
I don't like the fish to spawn. It's just, it's just, it's hard on them. But pre-spawn, they're fat, they're fired up. Correct. Frisky. Yeah, I mean, you want a PB, you don't want to be fishing beds. By any means personal best, guys, for those folks yep. that don't. Yeah, bass lingo. <laughs> that, that acronym. Yep, so if you want a personal best, fish the pre-spawn. And that changes every year, and basically... Um, you almost need a little bit of inside knowledge of uh, just, well, no, just temperature. Uh, okay, yeah, so, can you talk about that? Yeah, so once the, the, the surface temp hits 54 degrees by 12 o'clock, okay. that is the primo time to be here. Okay. So if you can somehow find out that it's 53 degrees at noon you want to come up the next week assuming there's no cold fronts cold fronts and cloud cover shut off smallmouth period Uh, they are 95% sight fish fish so uh, they 90% is just them looking at something and deciding whether or not they're going to eat it. They don't really use their lateral line a whole lot. I mean, they use it, but they don't use it a whole lot. Okay. Lateral line meaning feel. Yeah. Right? That reverse sonar that they have on their Correct. Their side. Yep. Yeah, we were talking, we did a species spotlight on carp a, a bit ago. Ah. And, um, the lateral line on the they have obviously a lateral line but they mm-hmm. also it's somehow connected to their inner ear their air bladder yeah yeah their air bladder is connected as well and they use those two things to to you know to basically sound out fish they're kind of like i think they're the underwater equi- equivalent of a bat almost <laughs> yeah <You know>? exactly <laughs> I, I like to call them freshwater bonefish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's why they're so spooky and so hard to catch as sport fish. Sure, because they just they know when you're coming a mile away. All right, Ooh, recast. Yep. Okay. Come on, salad. I got some salad. Yep. Very cool. I like it. There's not that many people out here. And you can fly fish for carp here too. Okay. It's it's a thing. I'm I'm actually really surprised. Because I've never actually been around a spring. Mm-hmm. How much water is coming up right now? Tons. The, the current it's causing. It's yes. Like, it's a good, you know, I just, it, I'm casting out like 20 feet. And it's taking about four minutes for that, that, that uh, setup to come back to the boat. Maybe three minutes for it to come back to the boat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that cooler water travels along the bottom. Okay. So it could be 80 degrees on the surface, the first five feet, mm-hmm. and it can be 48, the last five feet down yeah. at the bottom. When, you were, when we were talking about thermocline before we, we hit start on this episode, um, you know, what you were describing is those fish will sit you know, kind of at that transition zone, mm-hmm. um, just in, the, in the, um, the colder water, and then come up, shoot up, and come back down. Yep. And tuna do the same thing. Like, they, they do the same exact thing. They can't hang out on the top very long because they have to crash. They call it crash, but they get too hot, and they don't regulate their own temp. They use the environment to do it, so they, they go down 
below where it's colder and then they they kind of basically you know it's almost like catching their breath right and they come and then they get back on some bait the next time so that's why you'll see them kind of like pop up in one spot uh we're getting okay i gotta concentrate i got a little nibs it looked like a nib do you see anything on the scope yeah 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 here comes another one yeah, so he, he's he's able to just tell, you know, when there's fish around, so we can kind of chat and get serious. You can try giving a little twitch too; that helps. Yeah, the, this is almost like cheating. I want to give every It's only cheating if you don't have it. <laughs> but it, it's just cool to know, you know, that there's fish around. It's a, it's just it's just another learning tool. It's like where do you draw the line? Is a boat cheating? You know? Yeah. Is a fish finder cheating? Is being able to look down in the water and see a fish and cast to it, is that cheating? Yeah. Well, the point I was going to make before that nibbler cut me off is that <laughs> um, in Almanor, there's a pretty distinct thermocline. And, and what Mark's talking about is it's really hot. It can get really hot on the top, especially in, like, July, August. And... What you don't want to do is when you catch a fish and you're, you know, you're fishing like below or right at that, that transition zone, when you get that fish up to the surface, especially in the hotter months, and this really applies to any, I would say, any still water situation mm -hmm. during the summer, um, you don't want to play those fish on the surface too, too long. You definitely don't want to keep them out of the, the water that long, getting your hero shots and things because it, you can kill fish that way pretty quickly this time of year. Yeah, there's a thing. You do catch early. There's a thing called dissolved oxygen level. Um, it needs to be above 9.2 parts per liter. Okay. Um, you know, nine, they can totally survive. They're not going to be too frisky. Um, below nine, you're kind of pushing it. If they get stressed, they'll die. Um, the whoop, the water you got to take down, the, give a little hotter, twitch. Hotter the water, the less... Uh how sticky it is for dissolved oxygen content. Yep. And near the surface, there's a, there's a lot less. You know, you're, you're looking at like eight and a half to, to nine parts per liter. Um, you know, the first foot. Uh, so you, you can use a long net and just kind of throw them in the net, push them down. That helps sometimes. Um, and another really important thing to do is, even if that, after they take off, kind of keep an eye out for that general area. Sometimes they they kind of get knocked out, um, so you want to just give them a little give them a little tap of the rod. You know, you don't have to smack them, but just give them a little tap of the rod, and it'll it'll wake them up. It'll get them going. You know, they get lactic acid on the brain sometimes. It kind of makes them a little loopy, drunk per se. There we go. Oh, oh, I thought he was off. Oh, he's going to jump in the boat. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys. So this fish, I hook up on this fish, and it literally comes straight to the boat to the point where I can't strip down fast enough, and then it just doesn't stop. It, it jumped probably two feet off the side of the boat and almost in the boat. Almost. Probably another foot it would have been in the boat. That's crazy. Yeah, it's a good spot, Mark. <laughs> I'll, I'll post a GPS for everybody. Yeah, no kidding, huh? <laughs> uh, but anyway, so we, every time I get on 
I want to start sp- talking about smallmouth. Something funny happens with the trout, and we got to talk about trout some more. <laughs> yeah. But um, can you kind of how how like migratory are these these smallies in, in this this system? That's an excellent question. Um, these fish will move literally from one side of the lake to the other. In how much time? I have seen these bass. I I've seen tagged bass. Mm-hmm go from the Chester side of the lake mm-hmm. all the way over to Hamilton Branch. Okay, and that's roughly... This is a tagged seven numbered miles, fish. Seven miles? So, as a fish flies, <laughs> yeah. you're talking 12 miles. Right, right, because they didn't... I was saying... I was saying. If it literally miles. went straight from there to the peninsula and then cut around the peninsula absolute shortest route possible okay. 12 miles so that begs a question and this is not just done in one year this is done in five six months wow yeah incredible so i assume they're following bait is that what's going on they follow bait and they have their favorite spawning locations uh, okay so there's there's a bass over right now over at Hamilton Branch, and his favorite spawning location is 12 miles away over by Chester. Huh. <laughs> huh. Yep. And then, um, are they are they spawning uh, spawning in traditional LMB habitat, largemouth bass habitat? <sighs> are they are they more like on the lake bottom and stuff? They're they're pretty similar to to largemouth. I, I would say they're more similar to spotted bass. Okay. I think spotted bass techniques work excellent for smallmouth. Okay. Uh, largemouth techniques, not, you know, Florida strain, largemouth, not quite so much. Okay. Um, there are some exceptions, but I, I would say spotted bass and smallmouth, very similar. Very, very similar. Uh, they, they, the smallmouth fight a little harder. Yeah. Than the spotted bass, but don't get me wrong, the spotted bass they fight hard too. Yeah, smallies um, for their size, I think they're the one of the most hardest. Man, I tell you, that I've I've caught, caught so far. It's um, almost like in, catching trout in California. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and they dig too. Yeah, you know, a lot of times on, I, I've caught you know browns and smallies, big smallies that fight almost identical, and it's some sometimes you don't know what you have until you get a visual on it, you know. I've had them take backing out. Really? Yeah. Wow. I mean, for the most part, they kind of just really pull hard, and they want to stay down, and they yo-yo a little bit. But, man, some of those really big females, they'll run you out in your backing. Yeah, that, like I was telling you a couple nights ago, I had a, a brown give me a little bit 10-foot ten foot, ten toe on a Pro Angler 14, Hobie PA 14. Which is a big boat, and then me on it, 250 to 265, depending upon how much beer I've drank that week. Um, so, yeah, they just, these fish dig, they have huge paddles. Just like, I don't know, it's just a crazy, crazy ecosystem for these fish. And it's just, there's just food everywhere all the time, it seems like. Yeah, I mean, where can you go to catch a, on a fly rod? A smallmouth bass, a largemouth bass, 
a, a king salmon, Chinook salmon. Oh, they have those here? Yep. Chinook, not coho, you know, not the coho uh, kokanee. Yeah. These are Chinook, you know, king salmon. They're excellent. Um, rainbow trout, and we're talking four different species of rainbow trout. Uh, two different species of brown trout. And then there's also, well, you can say three species of brown trout. Because there's also there's the mix between the Loch Levin and McLeod's. So, hybrid, yeah. Hybridized. How do you say it? Hybridized. Hybridized. Yeah. So there's there's a mix between the two. So you could say three different kinds of brown trout. Uh, and then there's uh, Sacramento pike, but I wouldn't say an overabundance in this lake of Sacramento pike. So it does make it fun to catch. Yeah. You know, it's it's there's not too many where it's ruining the lake. Um, and, uh, there's yellow belly bullheads, which are catfish mm-hmm. in the lake. They're, they don't get real big. They don't taste very well, but they fight really good. 16 inch will fight pretty dang hard. Uh, there's, I've caught a brookie on this lake. Yeah. Yeah. There's, they're rare. They're very rare. Yeah. I was like, I, I showed it to my buddy and he's like, yep. There's no way you got that on right. Lake Almanor. And I'm like, look at the GPS. I know. I've, I've been fishing one. here since 85. I've caught three. <laughs> yeah, so I got super duper lucky. Yes. I've only been fishing for like three, four years now. Yeah. Uh, oh, um, Sacramento perch. Oh, no kidding. So they look like crappie. Um, mouths are just a little bit smaller. Do you see him roll? Yeah. I just, I just missed one. Just missed one. Oh, I, I we got to fix that. Yeah. So it, we, uh, it, I got a, a pull down and then uh, at the fl- side of the flash, the fish. That's cool. I'm freaked out again, guys. Yeah, this is cool. I can understand why, why people fish for trout on Lake Almanor. What's really funny is, is not a lot of people realize that you can fly fish for big trout in the summer in a lake there we go perfect so they're so these smallies are highly migratory let's talk about uh rigging like what's your what's your most effective way just in general most effective um in the in the yeah pre-spawn most effective uh float and fly Right, and then we've talked about float and fly um, a bunch on the show. There, we've done one episode dedicated to it with with Ryan Williams. Yeah, Ryan's got that yeah, pat. If you um, if you if you just search float and fly, you'll find it in our in our catalog. But um, let, can you just kind of briefly talk about the the rig for those those folks that don't know what that that system is, and then what you suspend underneath it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I use uh, large indicators, typically um, nine to twelve foot leaders, uh, and I use small flies. Um, you know, the, the smallies—they're more apt to take a bug than they are uh, a crawfish in the spring because it's still pretty cold. Uh, so I like to use small crawfish patterns. Okay. Um, and. Dead drift, Yep. 
crawfish. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of different kinds you can get, and they all work. Um, try to just match whatever color the crawfish are this year, that year. Does that, does that color change in this lake? It here? does. Oh, well. It does a little bit, yeah. Make it even more complex? I know, huh? That's what I love about the lake. <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah. D diversity. We got some salad on there. Yeah, I, tried, I tried to roll cast over it. And it's not a huge change. It's just they kind of go from uh, black to like a um, a dark olive. Uh, but when they start eating the the vegetation, mm -hmm. they start turning a little more orange. Okay. And uh, once they start getting on that green vegetation, they they really start popping in color. And what happens is the end of their pinchers go blue and orange, okay. and their bodies go to like a uh, like a green pumpkin looking color no, with a little bit of blue. I didn't want you to have to take the salad out of my rig here, but I kind of wish I would have because it took me. I, I wrapped it around the, the trolling motor. I'm free now, but boy, that was quite the cluster. There we go. Now we're back in the game. So small mouth. Yes, yeah, so the describe that rig really quick. Um, so yeah, large indicator, typically half to three quarter inch. Don't like to go any bigger than one inch. Then we're talking diameter of the float. Mm-hmm. And uh, balance types of stuff um or crawfish patterns um and what i like to do is i like to just kind of set it to where the fly touches the bottom kind of dust the bottom almost okay. and you do you get hung up uh but the indicator basically just kind of keeps you from getting down and deep into a rock and just permanently getting stuck um so that helps a lot and you really got to fish it yeah, it's a fun, it's a super fun, effective way to fish. It works on Lake Shasta and Oroville, any any lake really. I think mm -hmm. where there's where there's bass present, it's probably gonna it's probably gonna rip as long as you can you know suspend whatever that bait fish happens to be at the time you're you're there that they're keen on. Would you agree? Yep, absolutely. I'm still tripping on this, on, on this spring. It's so nuts. And so all this, all these weeds, are, is this coming up from the bottom where the spring is? Uh, yeah, they're coming up just from everywhere around here. They kind of break free and stuff. There's weeds all around the lake. I mean, I don't care where you go. There's tons of weeds everywhere. Um, and, and it, in 2015, we had, at the end of the drought there, it was pretty scary because the lake was really low and a lot of the weeds died. But, man, they they have come back, and they've come back in force, and so have the bugs. Yeah, that's kind of, you know, that gets back to, like, fire ecology when, when a forest gets burned down and then everything 
bounces back. Right, exactly. And literally the entire food web rebounds because there's no competition, and then it just gets gangbusters for a while, and then cycle repeats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's fish rising occasionally on, I don't know why. What are they, what are they eating on? Oh, uh, probably, uh, midges, uh, juvenile, uh, calabatus, and juvenile damsel nymphs. There, I've seen some adult damsels, and we're starting to get some damsels coming off. And the bass key on on those, talking about bass, man. The bass will key in on those damsels. They love damsels. They crush those things. Yeah, like I, I love fishing. What, just a dragonfly pattern on the top water for bass. It's so fun. Yeah. Yeah, like I was saying, I, I find myself taking a conventional rod for any subsurface stuff, and and then a, a, a fly rod for for top water when I'm targeting bass. Oh, I missed them. Damn it. You really got to get on them quick or they're, they're gone. So. <laughs> yeah. They're smart fish. They feel it's not real. They spit it right out. Like one, one dunk and it was gone. <clears throat> How much um, temperature difference is there from the, the water regular water column to the the spring, would you say? Well, the springs are about 48 degrees. Okay. And that's just all year long. Pure fresh water. Like if you tap that, you could drink it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it, okay. So I'm trying to figure out why I do. I mean, I don't know, <laughs> you know, I don't know how safe it is, but I have yeah. <laughs> lots of times I put a water bottle up there and fill it up many a times. I wonder, um, so good. Know, why, why are these trout hanging out by springs? Because there's, there's definitely a nice little pot up in there. Yep, the water is really warm. It's above the temperature they like to be. So they just get, it's kind of like they're, they're a version of a green zone. If they're habitable, habitable it's air conditioning for Earth going around the sun. <laughs> the sun's the spring, Earth would be the trout. They just find their happy spot. Yep, and that could vary from fish to fish. So they just. They just basically move in closer to spring or out from the spring, depending upon what temperature they like. Yep. That's pretty cool. Yep, it's like natural air conditioning for the fish. Yeah. You know, and then there's there's plenty of food. Plenty of food off of these weeds and rocks and stuff. You know, if it, we, we're, it is like a dead calm air wind day today. Like I don't, I don't think I've been up here when it's been so calm. So, you know, it's it's a little easier to spot on the surface what a spring would look like. But are there any surface indicators for springs that that uh, that we should kind of like look out for? Bubbles. Bubbles. Okay. Like yep. Right there. Yep. Okay. Bubbles. I didn't know that. Good to know. It's. I mean, not. There's not always going to be a spring where there's bubbles coming up because it could be um, weeds that are dying, creating. Carp will do that too if they're running around and in, in, right. in stuff. There's like 
you know, there's oxygen that's, that's collected in, in these weeds. And if you see bubbles coming up, sometimes that, that could be the indication of the carp actually riding around. If you're not seeing any, like, obvious stuff like mud blooms or, or things like that. If you, uh, if you have sonar, uh, you can just turn up the sensitivity on your sonar. And the little tornado shapes that you see yeah. on your sonar yeah. are springs. Oh, that's dirty. So that's okay. a little secret there for you. <laughs> that just, that, you just saved me a ton of time right there. That, yep. little, that little tidbit of info is good. Is it is it pretty is it safe to say that basically all Stillwater's got a spring somewhere? That I don't I don't know. You know, uh, I think the good fly fishing lakes do. Okay. Because um, it keeps a, a cooler water shallower. Yeah. Um, which allows you to get down to them with the flies. But I have been to some really good lakes that I know for a fact have no springs and that fish really well. Okay. Um, uh, Crater Lake, and not Crater Lake, Oregon. I'm talking about Crater Lake here off of Highway 44. Mm. Crater Lake has no springs, Mm. zero springs, and super, super fun fishery. Um, You know, dry flies and stuff. I mean, the fish aren't big. Yeah, they're not the kind of fish that you want to take home, <laughs> but uh, but they're super fun to catch. Uh, if you're on your way home from Redding to Reno or something like that, it'd be a, a great just. I mean, you could just stand right on the shoreline and catch fish with dry flies most of the time. Yeah, I've always been impressed with the size of the fish. You know, Crater Lake's no, it's no secret. So, forewarned. <laughs> you might be, it might be busy. You might not be the only one there. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's pretty do, those, cool. do these fish, will they hang out around these springs in the, like, the dead of winter also? Um, I have seen them on springs in February only when the like half the lake is frozen um it never got that cold this year so they did not this year last last uh season uh 2018 season there were uh tons of fish on springs because half the lake was frozen yeah yeah well, for those people that are wondering, you know, what, what type of rod would work for this application, what, what would you suggest for, you know, let, let's say you're, you're on a budget and yep. you, want, you, want to, you want something where you can target smallies and you can target trout with that are in, you know, the, the 20 to 24 inch range. Universal rod, seven weight. Seven. Okay. Yep. Six or seven weight. If you're new, get a seven weight. Put an eight weight floating line on it or um uh oh, was that? yeah or an overweighted yeah we had a couple of taps yeah um pointing i was looking over at the yeah trees and uh we want to overweight that rod a little bit so 
if that seven weight takes a uh, 300 grain uh, line, 300 grain meaning the weight of the line, and you can look that up when you yeah. go to get lines. So if it's rated for 300, you want to put like a 350 to 400 grain floating line on that. Okay. And, uh, and that's going to allow you to do a lot of things. And you can, you can put a, uh, versal leader on that floating line. Um, you can For just. For those people that don't know what a versal leader is. Yep. Oh. Yeah. So the, the versal leader, um, uh, I personally know of just two companies that make them. Might, there might be more you might know. More, um, Airflow and Rio. Yeah, those are the two. Yeah, that's the, those only two I know of too. So Airflow and Rio. I like the Airflows, um, just because they just they they don't really coil on me. Like I pull them out of the package, and they're just smooth. I don't have to sit there and stretch it. There's no memory. Yes, but the benefit of the Rio is it it does coil a little bit, and you have to kind of stretch it and break it in a little bit. The benefit of the Rio is there's zero stretch absolutely zero sweat stretch and the reason why you would not want stretch is to feel those little tiny tiny light bites the reason why you would want stretch is if you got hammered really hard and you were using a light leader and you need to set show a little shock oh there there's a fish let's see if i can get him so i like the airflows airflows have just a little bit of give and I can still feel those little bites. That's just me. I'm not trying to advertise or anything like that. Uh, what's the what's the purpose of the, the yarn on this for? Uh, it tells you where to set it back to. Oh, okay. Um, so basically, where I'm at right now, it'd go right in your mouth, right in your face, right? Well, you want to. But if I was setting, I would I would be going where that's pointing. I would just co- give a couple of strips and. Okay. You can mend it too. Oh. Oh, I know. I know what mend is. Fish the coast. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's enough current here to where mend is, is like something that's a good idea. Hey, there's. There's enough current in this lake. Sometimes you can swing. That's crazy. Like in a river. When the wind's ripping. Yeah, the buoys veer left and right two feet. That's sick. Yeah, especially in the fall or the spring, when they're trying to let water out to to store more water, or if they're trying to let water out because they're getting too much water. Yeah. <laughs> And the lake is incredibly low right now. It's the lowest I've seen it myself. Since, it's the lowest I've seen since 2013. Okay. Um, but definitely not the lowest I've seen, you know, in 20 years. Okay. That's for sure. Okay. I mean. Yeah, they, they had to let some water out to fix the canyon dam, right? Mm-hmm. Dam repair. Yep. And, um. Uh, has something to do with uh, earthquake testing. Oh, okay. We've had a, a lot of like uh, threes and and three and a half. Uh, there we go. There shakers. Is. So. There we go.
can't tell how big it is yet. I, I saw a flash. It looks, it looks pretty decent size. And it's staying. It's not really. It's kind of staying at the bottom. So I think it's a bigger fish. And I think. Oh yeah. Jesus, it's gonna run. That's why I'm gonna. So I'm slapping the arbor right now just to pick up all this loose line because it's just chilling. I have it on the reel now. Yeah, it's a bigger fish. See this dude? Big rainbow. Yeah. Probably 26 inches. Wow. Dude, this eight weight's getting bent, guys. Like Donald M. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad I picked this line up. Uh, it, it was it was nice enough just to kind of if I can get away with it, I just slap that arbor, pick up all that, that loose line on my feet just in case when this thing sees us and takes off. Well, if you're highly mechanically inclined, you can modify reels to do that really well. Really? Yeah. Yeah, okay. You can take the reel apart and take the grease. It's a brown. You can take the grease out of the bearing. And add oil instead. Yeah, this is a big. This might be, be my personal best right here, Mark. Nice. So he's just like he's acting like a freaking halibut, man. Just like right under the boat, trying to just dig, 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 dig. And I'm just trying to get it, keep him out of the trolling motor. He's rolling. You can barely see him. He's pissed, dude. Look at this eight weight. Look at this. <laughs> this is why. I bring an eight eight way to Almanor. Okay, okay. Uh, he might. I think he just gassed. Oh, I definitely want a picture of this one, Mark. Holy shit! Awesome, awesome, awesome. Oh, that's a little piggy. This one I want to grip and grant up. Nice. Not get it opportunity to get one like that ever again dude. yeah you want a fish of a lifetime dude. Oh, and you can't afford to go spend tens of thousands of dollars to go fly around the world where they have fish like oh, this you Lord. can come right here to lake Elmore. holy shit guys <laughs> God damn it. I knew that was going to happen. Oh, uh, shit. Oh, man. Did we get anything? I got something. <laughs> yeah, I got it. You got oh, I, you did? I got a great picture. Okay. <laughs> I thought... Uh, no, that looks... Actually, I, I like that. Really? Yeah. Oh, that looks man. good. <laughs> oh. Uh, so, as you guys probably figured out, I... I grab the tail with my like my palm to my my body so that it, you can see the fish and I was I swung it up to mark to to release it and just as it got over the gunnel he it kicked and flew back out and over and he's back down there probably laughing <laughs> it'll be funny though people are laughing right now for sure <laughs> at my expense which that's cool haters but dude that was fantastic man how how big was that fish? Uh, about twenty three inches. 
for a lot of people that can be a PB. Yeah, it's like, I think that's my biggest. Out of here, maybe? Just in, I think, maybe in general, man. On the fly? Yeah, yeah. well, ever. Wow. I think. Yeah, it is, because my, my other, my last one was McLeod, and that was 22. Okay. Yeah. I could just stop now. <laughs> Can't stop. Oh my god, that was awesome. Like I wish I had the video camera rolling because that would have been a hilarious video. <laughs> I know, sometimes I wish I had a camera on me 24-7. Yeah. Just on the boat. Sometimes I'm glad I don't. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Are you down? <laughs> Fish? No. Oh, okay. It's like... Oh, dude. Yeah, so we're getting set up again. Dude. Oh, I love browns, man. They just they're just brutes. You know, they just they're just powerhouse fish. I like them but they're brilliant. Badass. Yeah, I was wondering if there were browns in there. I was going to ask you. So it's just a mix of fish, though, huh? Yep. And they it didn't eat any different than the rain the two rainbows. That one was on. A, uh, a different pattern. Okay. Yeah. The, uh, the rainbows were on something smaller. Yeah, okay. Do you, uh, on the smallies, do you conventional, do you, do you fish for them conventionally ever? Rarely. I, you know, I was, I brought my conventional rod the last time I was up because the game plan was, okay, I'm going to get up there at four. I'm going to fish for smallmouth, targeting smallmouth with a conventional rod until six. And then I'm just going to rack that and, and start, you know, fit trout fishing. Did not get a single thing on conventional stuff. And as soon as I switched over to fly, I started catching smallies <laughs> up until about, until about seven thirty eight 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 thirty, And then, and then it was trout after that. Yep. And that's pretty much why I just fly fish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, good. if you you know if you're a a, a a very seasoned fly fisherman, you can come here without a guide and catch smallmouth. It's definitely doable. Did, I, did it break loose? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I had to. I, I had to pull it. I missed. So I just missed the fish guys, and then I didn't want us to get hit. With the, with the rig, so I ripped it out of the water because I was halfway through a set and I just wanted it to kind of like, you know, go over the boat. I'm sure if anybody was on a different boat watching, they would think I'm a spaz, but... Which is cool. So I'd like to touch on something. Yes. Uh, so when I personally go out of town fishing and I can afford a guide, I get a guide. I'm not Absolutely. so good that I can go without a guide. And a guide, you're going to learn things. Yeah. 
from from guides and you you can save yourself 20 30 years of experience one day with a guide <clears throat> i've said this on the show a lot of times and every time i go to a new, new place and i tell guides have told me that many times before it's like they get they always get a guide the first time they go somewhere new absolutely because like if you're going to go to a destination and put all this effort into it right your first time you want to be successful when you get there and then you have kind of like the playbook for the next time you can go solo yeah absolutely you know and and it'll just save you a shit ton of time so that 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 you know 300 to 600 dollar day rate for these guys is well worth it if you value your time on the water you know if you want to save money you can you know flounder around for seven seven years and until you get it figured out. But I would rather, you know, fish with the guy that's on the water all day, every day. Yep. It's kind of like that Tommy Tommy boy when he's talking about the butcher shoving the head, your head up a butcher. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I forget the how it goes, but it, it's, it's very relevant. Absolutely. Yeah, I've learned things from other guides. Other guides have learned things from me. It's, it's a great untapped... Uh, resource a lot of times and it's great learning things on your own um, you know there's there's definitely a satisfaction there uh, learning on your own but you can learn on your own and be taught at the same time you can you can improve your own techniques by using someone else's idea I'm still kind of like stoked about that brown <laughs> we caught. That was so cool. I will not forget that, man. That's my first, first big boy. Like, a six-weight would have just been, like, useless in that with that fish almost. But I can see why you, you fish a seven. Yeah. Well. This eight-weight's a little burly, but I just, I don't really own a seven-weight. Yeah, eights are going to be your uh, largemouth bass, striper, um, type stuff, you know. I mean, there are seasons out here where you actually kind of do want to eight weight. Um, it's not out of the question to use an eight weight during the, the hex hatch by any means. Um, but I think a seven with an eight weight line is kind of primo for, for hex hatch and uh, smallmouth fishing. I'm also fishing... Eight pound seaguar to the fly. Do you think that that's too heavy? I think that's too heavy for this lake. Okay. Um, I can get get by on six just fine. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we fought a twenty eight inch brown that was twenty two inches around. Oh my god! On six pound test. What was it eating? Two days ago, and it was eating hex. 
got it on a on a hex pattern. Do you think do these fish like this time of year when they're gorging on these these bugs? And mm-hmm. the bugs are, I would to say that they're calorically dense is an understatement. They're, they're just they're they're literally like double double animal style floating around with wings basically. And do you think like do these fish digest those uh, when they're done? That 24-hour cycle, do they they fully digested everything they ate the night before, you think? I think so. Yeah, 24 hours. Like, yeah. yeah I, I bet they eat a pound of these things a night. Would you? A, a big fish would. Yeah. You know, a four- yeah. or five-pound fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got a six-and-a-half, seven-pounder the other night? Yeah. No, no joke. I mean, <laughs> it was bulging. I mean, the, the, it just, it looked like someone put a softball inside the fish. <laughs> yeah, these smallies look like that too. Yeah. <laughs> they just gurp and gurp and gurp and gurp. I mean, it, it had a solid half a pound, three quarters of a pound of food in it. <laughs> it sounds like my French bulldog with, uh, <laughs> with gills. That little bastard eating himself to death. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, speaking of dogs. Dude, your, dog, your dog's a phenomenal boat dog. Yeah, my little guy here. She's, What's she's a good dog. dog. She's a Queensland here, but she's a, she's a toy. Um, so they just keep breeding the smaller, uh, the smaller Queenslands together. Until they get some really small, they just keep breeding the runts together, basically, until they got a a small. And she was the smallest of the litter, and she's uh, uh, sixteen pounds, okay. fifteen and a half, sixteen pounds. My uh, my Frenchie, he was the he was the runt of the litter. He's the last one in the in the litter to be selected because he was the smallest, and he's twice as big as both of his parents put together. He's forty pounds. Wow! Like the breeder just is like that's a genetic freak. Yeah, that's. He looks. He he's a, he's a legit medium sized dog. I mean, he's huge, but he puts out. Is he super buff too? Yeah, dude. And he yeah. puts out like <laughs> large badass. dog farts. You know, it's like not <laughs> pound for pound. That dog overproduces gas. It's ridiculous. And he's on a pretty strict diet of what he's on, but I think, I don't know. I think when my mom will occasionally watch him when I'm out of town, and I think she just, you know, feeds him whatever in the garbage, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> the trash compactor. Yeah, this dog will literally, like I said on another podcast, the only thing you want to eat is, is uh, iceberg lettuce. Mm. Well, that's a good thing, anyways. I think the your leader's messed up. Oh, oh yeah, better. Mm. Like reset. Cool. Yeah. Yep. I'm gonna try and get this one up over a little. <laughs> What's your scope telling you? We got some over there, and. So I've been trying to decide what I'm going to do with the kayak. There's some right where you're at right now. 
I've been trying trying to decide on the electronics for what I'm going to do with this kayak, and I'm just not happy with my Hummingbird stuff. So I think I will be doing Garmin, and I think I'm going to get that live live scope. Well, here's so here's the thing: if you're not going to get live scope, and you never are planning on using it, I still think the Hummingbird has an edge as far as the side imaging goes. I think the side imaging on the Humbird, I mean, if you have both of them perfectly dialed in, I think the bird would win. But you would have to have not the Helix, but you would have to have the highest end model compared to the highest end model. You want the Solix SIDI then? Correct. That's the hummingbird. Yep. But so on a kayak, this this thing for a kayak because you're it's a single fisherman. Like side imaging out both sides of boat for two fishermen is is awesome. Um, but for a kayak situation where you know you've got a, a cone that you're basically looking through, over, you know if you, you know, picture like a cheerleader with one of those old school bugles that they yell into or whatever the hell they're called mm-hmm. um, that's kind of how this thing works from the boat's perspective that would the the boat would be the mouth the cheerleader's mouth um and, and then it and then it shoots out that way as a cone and wherever you point that to yell essentially you know it's on a 360 degree kind of like handle and you turn that handle and then it just basically shines that that flashlight over to that section and you can you can see everything so when you're in a kayak you're not you know, you're you're kind of already in that cone cone of cone of field of view anyway, in that zone with the boat and everything. So I don't know. I think it would make make sense now that I've seen it in the wild. I like it. Yeah, we need to get another probably fifteen feet out, twenty feet out. Okay, on this cast. Yeah, okay. from where you are right now. Okay. I'm trying so, to stay off of the so, springs. So basically, like thirty, about a thirty foot cast. Yeah, 30, 35. Okay. So, that distance? Yep. That's probably 40 right there. Yeah. That's too far? That's 40. No, you're you're okay. Okay. Yeah, you're good. Okay. The springs are huge in this lake. And they're yeah, just... I see that. Absolutely massive. How many CFS were you... Did you say this thing for? I, I read... A uh, United States Forest Service or geological uh, oh, report. Did that toad just jump there. And I want to say it was something like six thousand cfs. Yeah. And it can surge up to twelve thousand cfs. Only the springs, not the Feather River, right, right. not Hamilton Branch, only the springs coming into the lake. There we go. Good. I didn't look at it. I was like, Rainbow. My hip stripping. Rainbow. Yeah. Whoa. Oh. Dude. Oh, it popped off. Um, this is probably the best day I've had on the on Almanor. Just you know, just the most active. Other than that one spot I was telling you about, but smaller fish and completely different style of fishing, so they, you can't really compare the two. 
but um, this is this is dope. You guys, if you can get up to Almanor and fish with with Mark, I highly highly recommend it. Anything going? It's our top kit. We're like I don't know, 35, 40 minutes. And it's a, a fish every 10 or so minutes. Yeah. Yep. It's not bad, guys. Not bad. There are springs in this lake that are down at 60 feet deep. Oh, wow. There are springs literally coming out of the, the side of the mountain. Yeah. There are springs that are coming out one foot deep, um, and they are scattered all around the whole entire lake. And when the, yeah, when the lake gets to these certain temperatures and you know the depth and you know where the springs are and you know what the depth of the springs are, um, it's where the fish are going to be. So. And that all he, the, there we oh, go. Jesus this one's bigger. Oh, oh, what did I do wrong? Too much. Too much set. Too much pressure. Too much pressure. That's six pound. Yeah, six pound on an eight weight. Okay. So, I'm so used to, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm used to, uh, cat, I've just been striper. striper, man. Mm -hmm. And I've just, yeah, I, that was, I, I had it like right, right here, 45, and just like. <laughs> oh, my striper guys are, they like to break fish off. Six pound right. test. So yeah. I, need to, I need to do like half the pressure and the lighter set. Uh, keep the rod up just a little bit more. Okay. Um. Yeah, I'm I'm totally like in a striper angle. Right. On a nine weight, that's all I've been fishing lately. I know. Okay. I feel you. But yeah, just gotta keep the rod up more. So I've done this test and. Uh, weight rod. Yeah. And you put uh six pound test on that, and you try to pick up a one pound weight, you will probably break the rod. Really? Yep. It's it's you know physics is really interesting stuff. So as long as you keep that cork sticking up, and you're using the rod. Yeah. In theory, with six pound test and a six weight, you'll you'll never break the line. So you um, you want me you you wanted me more like basically twelve to six with a cork, is that right? Uh, you want to you want to keep it? Yeah, you want to keep it. Uh, you know, say three o'clock is pointing straight at it. Yeah. Uh, you want to keep it like uh, one o'clock. Okay. Uh, Twelve o'clock okay. is not necessary. Okay. But uh, yeah, and I was any lower than two o'clock. Yeah. Gone. And, and like, just so you guys know, listening, um, my angle, I was probably two. Yeah, two o'clock and down, down at my hip. Yeah, and then you, you know you stand on your fly line. 
There's no yeah, give. And stripping into it. I, I literally we all do it just now as like I would a striper. Yep. Yeah. On so, you know, and, and just so you guys know, I'm fishing in that situation twenty pounds or seventeen pounds through a, a clouser. Yeah. So yeah. When you're on a float tube or you're on a kayak, that's kind of naturally just enforced. But if you're up on a boat, you're you're a foot and a half, two feet off the water already, and uh, you 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 know if you don't if you're not fishing a lot of trout, you need to really remember to uh, just be mindful of your your angle of your rod, as I just learned. Yeah, if you're a still water guy for trout, get moderate action. Uh, rods moderate to fast okay. and make sure that the power is medium okay not high power yeah hal jansen fishes like three mm-hmm. and four four weights yeah he likes the noodles yeah yeah if you can cast them i Have mean that's kicking around out here lately he i uh, see him occasionally yeah, yeah he's you know you give him a call and talk to him he's up there poor guy He's got tons of experience on this lake too. Mm-hmm. We've done a couple podcasts with them. They're He's always, got a totally different outlook yeah, yeah. than I do, yeah. and and that just that just goes to prove there's not one setup, there's not one thing to do, right? Yeah, you can catch fish on multiple setups. There's not just one thing. He's like, I would describe him if you're going to use put it in like bass terms. As a bass finesse purist. Oh, I gotta set this up. Hold on a sec here. Fishing super light stuff. I forgot to check that. Really delicate, high skill, high touch. Not something you could easily guide, kind of technique. Yeah. Yeah, I get a lot of. A lot of people that have never fly fished before. And uh, that's totally awesome because once you get them out here, you get them in the fish, they are just hooked, no pun intended. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, you get them hooked, man. And there's nothing like fighting a, a fish on a fly rod. We'll just uh, just pick up a five weight, and then you can treat them like striper. Right. <laughs> I had the five weight. I got a sage five weight I used for drives, and uh, I was like, uh, I'll maybe bring. I'm like, no, things too wimpy. Well, on this lake, what I recommend, unless you've fought tons and tons and tons of big fish on small rods. Do not bring anything lighter than a five weight to this lake. Especially in the summer, you'll kill the fish. Right. Um, you need, you really need to fish this lake with a six or seven weight. If you're on the newer side, you don't get to cast a lot. 
seven weight, overline it. You'll be able to cast that thing out. Um, all you need to be able to do on this lake is cast a 40 to 50 feet 90% of the year. 40 to 50 feet. That's all you need to be able to do. There's the other 10% of the year you need to be able to cast 70 feet pretty consistently. Winter. Yep. The water's so clear. The, the fish are up right on the surface in the winter. Um, you cannot see them on uh, electronics with the exception of panoptics. Um, so you're, you're casting... Oh, got to yeah. take... Yep. You're casting at basically rising fish then? Correct. Okay. Is that a dry dropper situation? Uh, pretty much dry. Oh, whoa. Okay. Yep. Fine. Yep, and sometimes you drown them. You cast out the dry and you use like fluorocarbon line. Okay. Um, give it a couple of twitches, it brings the fly down. It's called drowning okay. the fly. So it looks crippled basically? Correct. And there's not one pattern, that's for darn sure. <laughs> I've got like six fly boxes with like 300 flies. And you just kind of run. And run until... Yeah, and you just kind of, you try stuff here and there. You really just try to match what's, what's going on. If there's uh, little midges hatching, you use a little midge. If there's baby calabatus yeah. moving around, you use a, a little calabatus. But most of it is... Uh, you know, size 14 and smaller. Okay. I'd say 14 to 18. I, I personally don't use anything smaller than 18. I have a hard time tying it on the, on the yeah. line. Uh, but, yeah. There we are. Oh. I was on it. Yep. It's loose. Ah, oh, If you're so inclined to catch a giant rainbow trout on a size 22 or 26, we can do that. We can do that on dry flies. Well, so one thing I've noticed is missing today are smallies. So these, these smallies, do they not hang out on, on springs? We might get one. Okay, so they do. Absolutely. I'd say the majority, though, of the smallmouth right now, mm -hmm. sort of kind of out of reach for fly fishermen unless you're doing the hex hatch. Okay. Um, Are they deep? Yeah. Typically, uh, after spawn, um, most lakes, uh, like largemouth bass and spotted bass, 50% stay shallow, 50% go deep. The bigger ones go deep, I assume. <sighs> that I I have mixed feelings on. Okay. Um, but because um, I've seen giants shallow. Really? Yeah. Um, but I yeah I mean you're probably right. The bigger ones probably do go out deeper. On this lake, seventy-five percent of them go out deep. It's not half. And, they'll, and so they'll do, all of the big ones go deep. And they just resident out there and then when, but with an asterisk because when the hex is on, Correct. they'll move in at night. Yep. Okay. They'll go from 45 feet, 50 feet, 
sitting on the bottom waiting for the hex hatch and then boom that last magic hour yeah. of the hex hatch they move in and they just gorge and they just eat everything in sight you know it doesn't matter what it is it could be a minnow yeah. uh, a hex uh, whatever if it's in their face they eat it <laughs> yeah. The dog wants to go for a dunk. Come here. Yep. Come here. She has a, she actually has a um, life vest that you can get at Petco or whatever. Yeah. And it has a loop on there and you can put a leash on it and it keeps her really floating really well. She doesn't even have to kick or nothing. <laughs> it's still just chill? Yeah. And you put the vest on her and a leash and you just hook her up to the side of the boat and she'll just kind of sit out there and just like, ah. That's hilarious. And just love it. Yeah. Until it. 50 pound brownie. <laughs> yeah. An Almanor shark. What was your biggest brown you were telling me? Like 41, 42 inches. Out of Almanor. Mm hmm. Um, on a fly rub? On the fly rub. Oh, dude. Yeah, I know, dude. It was like an hour long fight. Six weight, seven weight? It was on. <laughs> It was on a five weight. What? <laughs> yeah. Uh, was it this time of year or when? It? it was during the hex hatch. Oh, Lord. So I broke my six weight, my favorite six weight, and uh, so I busted out. I, I wanted to keep my seven weight with the, the, the dry flies. Yeah. And I don't like casting a 10-foot rod with sinking line. I like using a nine foot rod. So I had a nine foot five weight. Cast out the sinking line, count to my number, start stripping in. And it just gets heavy. And I'm like, oh, bottom. Bottom. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I thought it was bottom. I've, I've got the rod bent. And uh, my dad was with me at the time. And. So I start going over to the, what I thought was the snag, and I'm like, wait, I thought the snag was right here. The snag's like over here now. <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, well, oh, wait. <laughs> and so it just, it just kind of sat there. And oh, it was just like, I'm the man. Yeah. I'm a 42-inch brown trout. There's nothing in here that can bug me, that can mess with me. What is this? That's in my face. <laughs> what are you trying to do to me right now? <laughs> yeah, because that's pretty much the alpha. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm pulling and I'm going, uh, I think I got, I think I got a carp. 
and these guys on the shoreline are going, going, do you want us to reel in? And uh, the fish starts heading down this rock pile. Guys reel in. So I'm just sitting there like following it around, following it around. I'm like, I'm going to get this carp to the boat. Well, it gets closer and closer and closer, and I see the dark color, and I'm like, I'm like, that doesn't look like a carp. (laughs) Yeah. And then it turns on the side, and my, like, I just, my face just goes blank. I'm just like, what is this? Is that your personal bass brown? Yes. Yeah. I would think so. Yeah. Uh, That's a a toad. Yeah. I mean... You know, I'm I'm getting nervous. I'm sweating. Yeah. I'm like, oh man. Yeah. <laughs> and I was still in denial at the point. I was like, nah, that's like a Sacramento pike or a carp. I just didn't know what I was looking at. <laughs> nope. <laughs> uh, I held the fish. I got a few photos, and I followed that fish around in that cove for a half an hour just to make sure that it did okay yeah that's cool um i was done i was yeah. i was done yeah pack it in that's 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 the day yeah yeah so <laughs> do you still have pictures of it i i've got a picture of it uh somewhere um it was long enough ago that before digitals well it was i used my uh my my razor flip phone yeah it's horrible yeah talk about your uh your your rc background yeah so as a kid i uh if i wasn't fishing i was uh, I'm talking about radio-controlled cars, guys. Yep. For the people that don't know what RC is. If I wasn't fishing, uh, and I was very active, if I wasn't fishing, which was just on the weekends because my dad had to work, sometimes we didn't go fishing for a month or two because we always just my dad always tried to put things in the seasons. So, and I wanted to stay busy, so I would go out and I would go race my BMX, my my bicycle at the bike tracks well I got hurt pretty bad and so my dad bought me a remote control car to put together for uh, just physical therapy basically and I really dug it I thought it was super cool and you could race them so that was like competitive stuff that got your heart going and and uh, so I went to a track and I raced it and I was like man this is way safer (laughs) than, than bicycles and uh, I can spend more time on the track. I'm not dead at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, and then uh, a friend of mine bought a hobby store, and uh, I worked for him for a while. And I raced the RC cars, and I went fishing on the weekends, and that was that. And then um, I got I. Got another mount. I got a mountain bike. Got hurt really bad on that, and I just said, you know what? That's it. You know, I'm older. Uh, I kind of want to 
quit the job I have now and and uh, so I quit my job and started doing this full time. Is there anything in the RC world that you've applied to fishing? I know that sounds like a random question, but anything like even boat boat configuration? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, fit, you know, catching fish wise, not really. Right. But um, I was thinking equipment. Yeah. Yeah, but like uh, mechanics, though. You know, like I take my reels apart. Right. I take my reels completely Those apart. Just like in RCs. Mm-hmm. And uh, I take I I blast the bearings out. You can get this thing called a bearing blaster from RPM. Ooh, that's that is so good to know. Okay, explain to me why you would want to blast your bearings. That sounds so, dirty, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just got my bearings blasted this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> I blew my bearings out. <laughs> um, so bearings have grease in them. Grease. Is friction. Friction on reels and drags is bad. Yeah. You want the least amount of breakaway force as possible. Breakaway meaning the least amount it takes to start pulling that line out initially. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That first five thousandths of an inch that you pull out of that reel may not seem much, but it's a lot. Especially when you have 20 feet of line out, a fish grabs, it starts running out, instantly puts you on the reel. That instant pop right there where the line slaps the reel and starts going. I've seen so many break-offs right there. And only because the breakout way force from the reel. Because of that grease in the bearings. Huh. Good to know. So they have, this stuff is... What is it? So what you do is you get this stuff called uh, electric motor cleaner. You can get it from a hobby store, which I highly recommend because you get way more. Um, And it has solvents in it to keep your bearings from rusting. And it's designed to work with oil, and it's it's designed to do this. So there's a company called CRC that you can get from a mechanics, Uh, from a Napa or whatever, it's called CRC. It's electrical connector cleaner, and it shows an electrical connector on there. It shows a Molux electrical connector right on the, okay. the front of the bottle. You can use that. The only problem with it is, is it dries totally dry. There's nothing in there to keep anything from resting. So you gotta you gotta put something on there. So I like to use the radio control car stuff because it's designed to do this. Right. Right. And it comes with the nozzle that goes into the bearing blaster. So you take that bearing, put it in the bearing blaster, spray it out, get all that that grease out of there. Then you tell the guy at the hobby store you want bearing grease. Remote control car bearing grease. It should be really thin. You put a couple of drops inside the bearing. You just put it around the, the middle of the bearing. And it soaks in, and then you kind of put a little bit of oil around the outside of it, wipe it down. Very important, you wipe it off. Um, don't just just with a dry towel, wipe it off, and uh, and put the reel back together. But you have to have a reel that has bearings that are removable. If okay. you do that, like a sealed drag's not gonna. You no, you, I take apart sealed drags. Okay. 
Yeah. Um. <laughs> but that's good to know. Like, uh, you know, I would have never thought that the RC, like, it totally makes sense. It's they're probably sourcing a lot of the same parts, you know, yep. the little micro parts anyway. So, uh, and you can change bearings on reels too. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, ABEC is a rating for, for bearings. Okay, there. And you want to get the ABEC 5 and you want to get ceramic. Okay. If you get ceramic, you don't need to clean them out. They already have the oil on them and you never have to oil them ever again as long as you don't go in salt water. You go in salt water, you got to take the reel apart and oil the bearings. Okay. Dang it. A jump and a spit. Yeah. So while he, I didn't want to interrupt him, but there, a, we had a fish on for a, for a, a hot minute. Um, mm-hmm. So before we hit record, um, we were talking about drones and we were talking about like how... The Sky DO2. Yeah, what is that? Because I'm familiar with the DJI drones. Right, so the Sky DO2 is designed so that you could launch it right from the boat, send it up there, and all day, you can take off. You Not all day, but you can send it up there, and you can be fishing, and it will watch everything you're doing. It'll even have an offset, so you can tell it to offset whatever. Like, distance-wise? hmm Okay. And it will stay that distance away from you. Or if you... So if you go through a tunnel, it'll go over the tunnel and back down. Oh, wow. Right? Okay. Or if there's trees, it'll go around the trees, and then it'll come back to that distance you want it to. And do you have to wear a wrist strap or something? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because, like... The DJI drones, they do that, but it's all it's all with, uh, you know, basically, basically. Well, because of the way the Sky Dio works, it can't do that. Right. The way you use it. No, that's why I was thinking it must have been a wrist thing if it's yeah. doing stuff like that. That's, you have a tag. That's super cool. So it's probably a lot a lot more accurate. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's interesting. And it actually tries to get better footage, so it will go ahead of you. Mm-hmm. You can turn on the intuitive stuff, and it will, like, go ahead of you. It's really famous for, like, mountain bikers. Okay. Um, Check it out. They send it up, and they go through the woods, man. And it films them through the freaking woods. It's like avoiding trees and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The DJI stuff is doing that, but they... The DJI has a better camera. tunnel stuff. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. I I stripped in a little, and I can't tell if that was a bump or if that was me stripping. Yeah, we're gonna um, we're gonna get one more. We got ten minutes basically before this wrap, and we're either gonna get a fish. Well, either way, we're done in ten minutes. We're gonna get a fish because we're both pretty hungry. Um, before we cut loose, though, we're gonna try and get one more. But in this time, we're gonna use it to, to wind this episode down. Um, Mark, I do want to talk about the planting program here. We were mm-hmm. talking about that earlier, and. I, I had thought that it, it was happening and then it, it stopped, but you're you're saying it's it's still pretty active. Strong. You were telling me who the who the guy is. Can you kinda talk about that a bit? So the guy, the president of the Almanor Fishing Association is John Crody. Um hopefully you can get a chance to talk to him. Yeah, I uh, definitely want to have him on. Yeah. Um there we are. There's the fish. <laughs> Every time we try to start talking about something, huh? Yep. John Crody. 
Yep. He's uh, he's the president of the AFA. Yeah. He goes to the fishing wildlife meetings, and he lobbies for this fishery. And I cannot speak highly enough of him. And then they, they actually have a, a ground program and they have a rainbow program. And He'll be able to tell you about all that yeah, stuff. Cool. I have so many questions. Like you were talking to me about like how the triploids are made and all that. Um, just like at a high level, there's a certain temperature that they, they basically wash over the eggs during the... I guess the germination period, or whatever you call it. Yeah, and, and, and it, John knows a lot about yeah, that too. German, and it makes them effectively sterile. Yep. Without having to go to the doctor. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, before we wrap, uh, which website? Facebook, Instagram? Uh, so Facebook is uh, Lake Elmore Guide Services. And uh, you can search Lake Elmore Guide Services on Instagram also. And your Insta? Uh, it's Mark Antramian. M-A-R-K-A-N-T-A-R-A-M-I-A-N. If you like big fish photos definitely follow mark yeah and um if you can if you can pull it off definitely get a good a gutty trip out here with them i mean geez guys this was not even a two-hour show and we got like what six fish seven fish something yep. like that um and i got my pbr brown i'm really stoked i didn't wasn't able to like hold it way up into the the, the camera and get the nice force perspective and make it look twice as big as it actually was but it was my personal best and I'm really so stoked about it and it was a funny moment so that was that was good too for the show um, you guys thank you very much for listening as always um, thank you Caltrout for sponsoring us without you guys you know the show would not be possible Fish Bio giving us the, the roof over our heads if you guys um, aren't aware of their they, they have a, a newsletter. If you go to fishbio.com, they have uh, really good intel that they put out on most of the California freshwater species. You guys should get on that, that mail list and check them out. Thank you guys for listening. If you like this episode, please leave, consider uh, you know going on to, uh, what is it, um, where you get your podcasts. Uh, come on. iHeartRadio. This is what happens if I don't eat. Um, <laughs> iHeartRadio. There's um, your podcast player on iTunes. Apple Podcast, Jesus, I'm fishing for that one, and then uh, Google Play. Uh, go down there, scroll to the bottom, and give us a, a five star if you could. It helps us out immensely. If you're into, if you keep into keeping the sun off your head, we just restocked uh, gear.barbless.co.co. We'll get you there. You can also go to barbless.co and, and click the gear link on the top. Uh, Facebook, Instagram is at barbless or barbless live fishing podcast or something like that on facebook we don't really use facebook that much but we do have a group on facebook that's pretty active so if you find us on facebook uh join that group and there's a lot of guides on that group uh, and there's a lot of members that are passionate as you are about fly fishing and sport fishing in general thanks for listening you guys be safe this weekend or or weekday or too and uh try and get up down fish with mark 
Special thanks to our sponsors. Without them, this show would not be possible. Like this episode? Leave a review. Grab some gear or become a Patreon supporter. Links are in this episode's description. This show is part of the Barbless Podcast Network. For sponsorship inquiries or general questions, please email fishon at barbless.co. No better, fish better. This has been an AMP Audio Production.